This episode of Beer and Bullshit is brought to you by Woodhouse Brewing Company, where they believe simplicity is a good thing. Try their lager, IPA, stout, and new raspberry sour, all available at the LCBO. It's time to grab the bull by the horns. Welcome to Beer and Bullshit. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. Chris Pellerin is with me. Chris... What's up? Not too much. Not too much. Ready to uh, climb aboard this bull, you know? Okay. You're just going to beat the bull thing to death now? Oh, <laughs> uh, I love me a bull. <laughs> no bull. Uh, we got a good show tonight, uh, but uh, what's been going on with you? We haven't... Uh, you're doing dry, you were doing dry January until this episode, weren't you? Did this break you? Uh, uh, I was. I, I thought I should. I should probably have a beer here with with some of the heavyweights, and uh, I had one beer left in my fridge, and I thought I was saving it for the right guest, but I I I did not. Oh, we might we might be giving things away about a guest that's coming up if we tell this story. Actually, no, oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's okay. We can just admit that you didn't. You thought the guests were two people from a different brewery and were drinking the wrong beer. That's right. It's kind of like when you're uh, when you go to eat something and you're expecting to eat something else, and then it really just wrecks your brain and how to process what's uh, going on. So I, I recovered maybe five minutes before the uh, the show ended. Um, that's like when you. This is so off topic, but you know when you're like eating, let's say like I don't know a bunch of candy, Mentos. You have one left, and you're like mentally ready for that last one, but then you like drop the last one, and you don't get that last one it fucks up the whole experience it's true i think i told the story too on drinking that cider and throwing up thinking that it was beer it's that kind of scenario just really a little different you were so drunk you didn't realize you're drinking cider but it's a little different yeah it's the same exactly the same okay okay well we have a big show we've got two uh brew masters from two uh i would say legendary Ontario breweries. We've got Ian McCooster from Amsterdam Brewery and we've got Mike Lackey from Great Lakes Brewery on the show together. They're buds. They've been in the industry about the same amount of time and uh, they've brewed together quite a few times. So I thought it was pretty cool chatting with them. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fascinating just kind of digging in a a little deeper to see kind of what guys that have been around the industry for that long are are thinking about. And uh, yeah, it was just really cool listening to those guys chit chat and kind of interview themselves at times yeah that was the best part they were asking each other questions anyway we don't have to preview it it's happening right now do you want to make one more stupid bull joke and then we'll go to the interview uh let's see if we can uh, ride this interview for eight seconds or four. <laughs> so the answer is no okay here's our interview with mike and ian I haven't seen you guys in a while. Yeah, there's a pandemic. You guys have aged terribly. Oh, that's, that's the band I know and love right The there. pandemic <laughs> has not been kind to you you two. All right, that's it for me. All right, see you. <laughs> good night, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> good to see you again. Uh, in case you guys have never listened to the show before, which is very possible, Chris is uh, one of my old, probably my oldest friend. We went together to kindergarten together, and he lives around the corner, and he sometimes co-hosts the show with me. And I'm going to try not to be too much of a fanboy tonight, guys. Um, so usually I do like a little chronology, but like there's too much to talk about with you two. So we'll do it like in, in like a sentence. Lackey, I feel like your your origin story is pretty well known as like the uh, the guy who was pushing a broom and got really interested in brewing and went to school and became the, the master. How's that for recapping your... <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I didn't go to school for brewing. I went to school at Western up in London with you guys. And I went for sociology and to drink beer. I drank a lot of beer. We do that uh, in London. From my sociology degree, I came back and worked at the brewery again after that. So. Didn't you go to brewing school at some point because you were, nope. you wanted, oh, you never did? No. You no. just made it, made it all up. Trial and error, basically, yeah. Yeah, it was first uh, job at a high school, just um, started pushing a broom, but pretty quickly we were young brewery back then and there wasn't many brewers around. So I became the head brewer before you knew it. And, and Ian, just I learned don't... by trial and error and a lot of error for sure. But uh, 
that was one way to do it. You'll notice I have sometimes have a delay. It makes podcasting really awkward, but I try to yeah. fix it in editing. <laughs> um, Ian, I don't really know your origin story. Where did you come from, man? Yeah, uh, pretty similar to Lackey, actually. Uh, went to school for sociology up at Trent in Peterborough and uh, lucked into a uh, bottling line gig at KLB um, through a, a guy named Claude Lefebvre, who actually lived in the same dorm room as me the year before. So um, loved, uh, loved working at the brewery and the end of my second year, they offered me a gig and, as a brewer. And at that point there weren't that many breweries. So it was kind of like, a, you know, being hit with a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, like loving it. And um, yeah, never really looked back since then. It was uh, really fell into it. So what year did you start brewing? What year was that? I was, 19 just about turning 20 and i got a balling line gig so i was probably yeah i was brewing when i was 20 yeah so 20 years now been brewing for okay 20 years. 20 years lackey you're about the same timeline well i'm uh i was about the same age but i'm 10 years older than ian uh, i know i don't look it but um uh yeah i'm about yeah 20 years oh, old at high school and started 91 okay so Great Lakes started 86, no other way around, right? Amsterdam 86, Great Lakes 87. You guys both kind of came in and I mean, I, I think you guys and your creativity is kind of what made the breweries what they are. We can get there when we get there, but when did you guys meet each other? Oh yeah, um, I think I first met Lackey at his uh, tap takeover at Volo. Um, came out and uh, just wanted to support and really really enjoyed the beers and i think i went up and introduced myself at one point and we got talking and yeah pretty sure that was it Volo. yeah that was kind of uh i think that was the first time i met you I had, uh andrew bartle oh shit uh, who's working at bartle. i think at junction now uh he'd mentioned ian a couple of times i knew andrew and uh he said you guys would get along uh and I kind of, I, I don't think he was wearing an Amsterdam shirt, but I saw him at Volo and I, I was like, I bet you that's the Ian that Andrew's been talking about. So we got to talk about beer. And uh, back then there wasn't too many like uh, collabs going on, I don't think uh, yet at, in 2010. So we started talking about it and we did a, a one, one not too long after that, you know, just kind of realized we were like-minded. Beer man, was that the Route Saison? Wasn't it the uh, the saison with um, car cardamom, I think? And uh, but then I was carbonating in the fridge, and the hose burst, and I That's dumped right. most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it the you showed up with like a, a half growl and say, "I'm really sorry, dude." But uh, this yeah, is I felt uh, I felt beer. really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so your first collab, you about half of it. it? We didn't have a crusher, so Ian had a hammer, and he was crushing. He had a sock and a hammer, and he was crushing all the cardamom uh, that way. Uh, <laughs> and then I dumped all the beer. It was tasting yeah. pretty good, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so you guys have done a handful of collabs since. I can think of a. F For some reason, Maverick and Goza always stands out, and then Ezra, I remember, was awesome. That was like a cider barrel aged farmhouse or something. That was a great beer. I'm sure you've done more. I can only think of two off the top of my head, though. Yeah, I don't know how many. Like, uh, definitely those two. But we did Maverick and Gosa and Ezra a bunch of times. At least yeah, yeah. And then Life, uh, Life Sentence. Sentence was a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Triple IPA. Um, that was a lot of fun. We, we picked a, a bale uh, from CLS Farms. Eric was kind enough to send us, uh, sell us a, a bale of... Uh, Late Harvest Chinook, and the whole thing went into the Whirlpool, which was a, a nightmare to deal with, but a hell of a lot of uh, fun brewing, for sure. That may be the last time I drank with both of you. You guys had been brewing Life Sentence all day and popped into uh, Bar Hop, which is a story I told on the Ryan Morrow episode of this show, because he was with you guys, and it was a bit of a sloppy evening, if I recall correctly. Um, when you guys brew together, like you've been around roughly the same lineage, but you have different, what do you, you'd bring different things to the table. So like, would you guys have complementary styles or pretty similar? What would you say? 
No, that's over to you, Lackey, for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say complimentary. I think we're, uh, when you're both looking for the same, you know, end goal and, uh, no compromise for the most part. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> for the most part. Uh, no, comp- absolutely no compromise. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, we get along personally again, for the most part. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we, we come to agreements pretty quickly. I think you know it's uh, there's not too many arguments or anything. So it's kind of like, hey, let's make this beer. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, on brew day, maybe a couple tweaks or uh, or logistical kind of tweaks. I've had to do things, but both with a lot of experience. So hopefully, one of us has a good idea. There's been a, a few couple brews we we had done early where we did things, and then we we're like, why the hell did we do that? But uh, Oh, the rock salt, man. Yeah, that's rock salt. Was it's a coffee grinder grinding up the rock salt. And as we're putting it in, we're like, we didn't need to grind it. It just would have dissolved. <laughs> yeah, it's salt. <laughs> we completely destroyed our coffee grinder. Shit. No, you guys didn't so- know that salt dissolved in liquid, I guess. Clearly, there's Dude. no salt. We were excited, young and excited, man. It was, excited. It was, that was Maverick and Ghost. Maverick and Ghost. It was one of the first collabs too. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So screw you. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure, man. <laughs> okay, no, you guys, you guys are aren't sorry. really typically. Oh, sorry, and I'm talking over you. Go ahead, man. No worries, brother. Just to if I could kind of kick in an answer there. Um, one uh, one of the cool things, man, with traveling with uh, a bunch of brewers which for a few years we all did. I mean, more than a few years, right? Probably 10 years. Um, we'd all travel together uh, to like craft brewers conferences or Hop Harvest or uh, Grand Rapids just to hit Founders and Bells. And one of the cool things with that is you're talking beer and you're drinking beer, but you're really like tasting beer with like-minded friends, you know? And if we're sitting around the table with, you know, guys from Indy or, Erica or, you know, a bunch of different people who have crazy good palates, you just kind of naturally start talking about beers that you'd like to brew. And quite often, man, that's how collabs have kind of come out too. You know, you're trying a different style and you're like, I've never brewed this style. This would be a very cool thing to kind of explore and study and really like delve into. And so that you can really understand what makes that beer so special and doing that with Lackey and with a, a crew who all have really, really good um, tasting abilities quite often leads to collapse in my experience. So that's an interesting point. And it, I, for anyone who doesn't know, Ian's wife is uh, the brewmaster at Steam Whistle. So there's a lot of brewing lineage in the social circle. And you guys obviously are brainstorming ideas together. You hang out with Jason at Indy. Brewers are all friends. When you come up with those ideas and you're sitting around drinking, is there ever like, like a fight for the ownership of that concept, or is it like whoever actually just gets like? Remember when we were drinking in Portland and we had that idea? Like oh, I just fucking did it. Like does anyone like? Well, that was my idea too. I don't imagine that's the case, but no, no. I mean, not to jump in, Lackey, but um, no. I mean, if anything, man, you want to see them do the same style. I remember like Lackey and I ended up at Chuckanut. Um, brewery and uh we both were kind of blown away by pilsners and we drank a few and then you know month and a half two months later both of our breweries had pilsners and it was a really cool thing where we were you know supporting each other talking to each other about it and hey what did you find with this fermentation or this plant of malts and what did your finishing gravity go out to uh, can i get your yeast that type of thing so yeah yes yeah, I'm yet to find the, the person who has like really wants to own thing or isn't collaborative in this industry. Like there's, there's just nobody like that. If they are, they don't last long, I guess. We're going to, you guys are often so, like thought of as soft-spoken and not really in the spotlight. I want to jump to when we're like two beers in and you guys are getting lippy. Let's get to that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to crush all the myths of you guys being humble and soft-spoken tonight. Okay. Um, okay. You're going to Pilsner's there. Uh... So I was just going to share something quickly with the, the over my over my dad body pilsner. Uh, I remember the first time I got that and my kids looking at it and said, hey, that guy looks like you. Yeah. I thought, okay, I need to get in shape. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> delicious beer, though. I, I had to have a Nailed few. It. 
Was that the was that the pilsner that came from that conversation? Yeah, it probably was. I mean, one of the first ones for sure. And maybe uh, and maybe Starka. Figure if we keep trying. Yeah, Starka. Right? If we keep trying for another twenty years, maybe we can make a beer as good as Chuckanut. Who knows? That's <laughs> awesome. a hell of a pilsner. Both of those pilsners were pretty damn good. I enjoy, I drank a lot of Stark and a lot of over my dad body. Good beverages. And those were kind of like, um, I mean, where everything's pills. Everyone's about pilsners now, but those were, I mean, not to say ahead of their time, but pretty early on in the current pilsner. I don't know if you'd call it a craze, but I mean, I feel like beers like Vim and Vigor and the stuff that Bim's doing have led like everyone's crazy about pilsners now, but you guys were doing some pretty rocking pilsners pretty long ago. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> for a brewer though, right? Like what's more what's more exciting to brewing a Pilsner, right? I mean, barrel-aged Imperial Stouts are fairly straightforward comparing to, compared to brewing like a really, really solid Pilsner. Yeah, it's way more difficult. Like, well, you, sorry, go ahead, Lack. Sorry, Ian. Uh, that's true, but uh, I would they say it's uh, for selfish reasons too. I mean, if you're uh, yeah. if you're drinking uh, your your own beer or your friend's beer, you know, you uh, are kind of like, hey, why don't you make a pilsner and then send me a couple of cases and and I'll send you a couple of cases of this double IPA that I can't really drink anymore in my life or uh, I won't be alive. Uh, Does that have anything to so do with the a window behind you or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm in. I'm at the Capitol building, actually. Uh, oh, too soon, too buddy. Soon. Too soon. Really? <laughs> no, I don't. It's not know. even our country. It's not too soon. Okay. Oh, it's too soon at all. Oh yeah, I think for selfish reasons, uh, at least part, partially, Ian and I would have, or certainly me, I would have, uh, you know, seek to brew a nice pilsner that I can have in my backyard or have with friends or, or share with uh, other brewers, whatever. So this keeps coming up every time I ask brewers what they're drinking during the show. And I'll ask you that too. But uh, like when I asked Bim, he just like, I'm like, what else do you drink? And he just listed like five beers that people had recently brought to him. When's the, what's the last beer either of you remember paying for? I bought a, a case of Orval and a case of Saison DuPont today, actually. Well, there you go. Yeah. Baller. <laughs> Ian's still, uh, or I mean, Lackey's still trying to think. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't been able to leave Toronto, uh, so last time I left Toronto. The last time you left Toronto. Yeah, whenever that was. <laughs> do you guys, uh, do you guys still homebrew? I remember you had like an unofficial homebrew club for a minute. Um, it's been a couple years uh, since we brewed together. We did. The Swansea Homebrew Club is uh, the club we did. We had some uh, we had some good times with it. Made some good beer doing that. And it was a lot of fun. Um, we've tried to get one brew a year. Uh, we managed one this year. Ian couldn't make it down this year, but uh, we got one in in September with uh, backyard hops. We used all oh, my yeah. backyard hops and all Fabian Skidmore's hops from the only cafe, and we just threw them all together and we made a. Uh, made an IPA with kind of with just fresh hops. So what kind of hop, what kind of hops is Fabian growing? Uh all sea hops, Cascade, Columbus, uh Centennial, Chinook, I think all four of those, just kind of old school. And it was a good harvest this year and the hops were good. So it, the beer turned out pretty great. Nice. Well the reason I asked about homebrewing is like you guys are pretty like high up in your organizations and I wonder how often you're actually still physically brewing day to day or just overseeing the work of brewing. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I was on the brew house. But in terms of like overseeing the brewing, um yeah, I was working on a recipe earlier today, um, talking to the guys. We we kind of run things like a, a team approach to recipes and um, we rotate guys a lot too. So it's a really good chance to kind of work with people and talk to them about the approach and why we're doing certain things. To be honest, man, I probably spent more time throwing bottles on the packaging line during shutdown than I did uh, anywhere near the brew house, hmm. but still kind of overseeing the production. 
um, tasting the beers, talking to people about the beers, making the calls. Yeah, yeah I'd be in a sim similar spot. Uh, it's been a while since I've been in the Bureau, certainly since the pandemic. We've been, it's been more hectic than ever and kind of dealing with other uh, other issues too, like everybody else is. So, um, yeah, I haven't been able to have any time on the brews, but uh, but it's been fun. Always uh, working on the recipes and and talking to the team about the beers, which is is kind of a lot more fun than doing it yourself. You know, like I, I think that was one of the reasons that Ian and I first started talking about it. it was like, oh, here's someone like minded, then then you kind of build a team with a with a lot of people like minded, and you and you produce uh, you know your own vision. So. Uh, it's, it's been great. And the young guys, I mean, working with the young guys is, is awesome. Their, their enthusiasm and stuff like that keeps you going. What kind of yeah. teams, sorry, go ahead, Ian. Just on that, like, um, I've gotten to know a bunch of the guys at Great Lakes, obviously, and, and Lackey knows most of, most of my team, our team. Um, but yeah, I mean, working with young guys is like so, so rewarding. Like you're, you're talking to people and helping bring them up and, um, talking to them about beer all the time and seeing their passion come back at you is uh, is really really amazing and rewarding. And that's something I, I don't know about lacking, but you know when I started off, I didn't really consider that that would bring me so much enjoyment and fulfillment in my gig. You know, um, seeing somebody make the right call in the brew house or seeing them make that jump to deal with the do issue or uh, fermentation lag without you jumping in is uh, super reward yeah we uh a quick story along those lines we went down uh, we had a couple uh brewers um one of one from each brewery down in uh, madison wisconsin at a at a brewing school so we thought actually it was, i think it was my idea because it was a really smart idea but ian agreed quickly really uh you know what we should do is go down and pick those guys up you know like on their graduation day you know show support and and, uh, you know, just for them, no enjoyment for us or anything. Yeah, so no we, beer drinking along the way. Yeah, so we flew to Chicago and <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, I think it was midweek too or something. It was like, yeah, we, we have to go do this to, uh, you know, to Peter and Jeff. Uh, you know, they, they kind of, you know, with a smirk, they said, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we flew to Chicago, rented a car and drove to Madison and picked those two guys up. We were so proud, like mm -hmm. have proud parents and, uh, uh, well, there's more to the story, actually. With uh, there's a lot more, yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with what? With uh, oh, thumbtacks and dollar bills, yeah. But at any rate, yeah, yeah. tax and you got it. You can't leave that. I'll let you tell the thumbtacks and dollar bill story. But it was a we had a great trip down to Madison with those two younger guys for sure. Basically, we made friends with the locals and tried to hit every uh, every one of the bars in uh, the little town that Nuclearis is in. Um, and we thoroughly embarrassed the, the the young guys, and yeah, it was a great night, really, really great night. Are the young guys still around? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to tell more of the story. There we go. Please we do. Go. <laughs> so you take Ian's the, leaving the room. So there's one more plausible <laughs> deniability. Okay, Just, I'm going to try and make it quick. But there's one bar. There's a 20 foot high ceiling, wood ceiling. And there's all these dollar bills on the ceiling, like hundreds of dollar bills. And we're like, what the hell is that? What's going on? So the bartender comes out. She's like, check this out. So she rolls a American dollar bill uh, with a quarter and sticks for weight and then sticks a, or has a thumbtack through the dollar bill and then twists it. So it's got some weight to it and a little point of the, the thumbtack sticking out. And, but you have to throw it 20 feet in the air and it's got a stick in the ceiling. And it's like, that doesn't seem too easy. And they were like, okay, young guys versus old guys, let's go. Ian steps up. And I was like, there's no way he's going to There's start. no fucking way. This First is row, thunk, no way. right in the ceiling, nails it. I'm like, what the hell is amazing? <laughs> and then Nick, uh, not to name names, um, <laughs> our uh, Great Lakes, he's, we're in a Great Lakes, Nick Perry. Uh, he stepped up. And it was like lots of pressure, and he threw three times and failed miserably. <laughs> with so, a crowd, with a crowd of people. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah the whole the whole bar is watching us now because we're Canadians and they're like, ah. Oh, uh. And then I have to step up, so a lot of pressure on me now. And I don't know how, but right up, first row in. First throw, bang. <laughs> and then the junior Amsterdam guy stepped up, uh, Mike Cheatley, and he again. No, well, he's not junior. He's not junior. He's an innovation verb. But anyway, sorry, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> junior team. And he nailed it, or no? No. Oh no, he failed this. <laughs> so Ian and I both first throw. Got it. You got to do it though. When you're the older oh. guys, that's the pressure. Yeah, but we were both so surprised it actually happened. We were the most surprised people in the whole bar. <laughs> Confidence in alcohol goes a long way, yeah. right? That was after about twelve pints. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I, I thought that was going to go to like a terrible strip club story there. So did I. Oh, I heard thumbtacks and, and Thank bills. you for elaborating and not leaving that to everyone's imagination. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Jesus. What terrible strip club did you go to? Yeah. Um, so how big a team do you guys each manage at this point? Uh, uh, I'll start. We're, we're about 12 on the floor. Brewers okay. and uh, packaging. Uh, brewing, cellaring, packaging. I'm... Uh, we're doing about 12 people down on the floor. And Ian, I'm guessing you're a little bigger. Yeah. I oversee the packaging and distro and um, the operations. So it's, it, it's, it's bigger for sure. Um, <laughs> you could like say the number. <laughs> 40, 40 something, 40. Um, but I've got like managers are taking care of each of the teams, right? Yeah. Oh, hey, Ben. Hey, Chris. What's up? Well, uh, I know Indie Alehouse is uh, in Toronto as a sponsor of the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you say they're in Toronto, right? You said that. Yep, that's true. I did say that, didn't I? So you always talk about having food and beer under the same roof. And uh, you talked about their patio, but we're entering the winter months, so... Uh, I see where you're going with this, Chris. It's just with Toronto in lockdown now. How do people support our sponsor, Indy? Well, Chris, I'm glad you asked because they are still offering Ontario-wide delivery service from their online bottle shop. Uh, all you need to do is select what you want to order and check it out. Uh, your beer will be delivered within a few business days through ICS. And obviously, they're still doing local delivery and uh, food takeout. And then you can, uh, you can also pick up beer to go at their Eadley location on the second floor. And as always... Instigator IPA is in the LCBO. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of options uh, to get that Indie Alehouse beer that we love so much. Yeah, you're kind of an idiot for asking, actually. Well, I was glad that I asked until you called me an idiot. Oh, I gotta go. See you later. So here's a question, and I feel like the last time I asked you this, Ian, you kind of got annoyed, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Oh. I don't know, man. You trolled me a bunch of times. Like, <laughs> which which question it was? No, but I I, I just want to know, like, yes. how you guys continue continue to balance the business, like the business decisions, versus your need and desire to be creative. Maybe that's something you're just like, I don't really get to do that anymore. Oh, but like, <laughs> see, he's annoyed. I asked him. I don't no, know why. But, like. He, it's not I'm annoyed you asked me. It's he sounds annoyed. Yeah, he looks yeah. annoyed, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just, it's just the way you see those two things totally separate. And like the way you see them in like a small window, like a snap. Um but this is what you said last time I asked you to. Probably. Yeah. No. I but I recognize see. that when you get to a certain size, there are decisions that are made from a business standpoint versus the like thing hey, is, I man, like I sure uh, I got into um, like the management side, uh, because I really wanted more freedom to be creative and I really wanted the freedom to make the beers I wanted to make. And so that's why, you know, I worked really hard. And, uh, when I was given the opportunity to be like a head brewer, boom, when I was able to be a brewmaster, excellent. And then like when I was able to go above that while still getting to be on the brewing side, I took that opportunity because I could help shape the direction of the company and I could really influence the decisions so that we could make the beers that I wanted to make. And so that we could honestly say to ourselves that we made the best beer that we possibly could and some of the best beer in the country. And that's why I kind of went into the business side as well as brewing because 
unless you're running a solo brew pub, man, you kind of have to look outside more than just the brew house. You can't exist in a vacuum. Yeah. And I get that answer and I get where you're coming from, but I feel like there's brewers like maybe in lackey who are sometimes like, I want to brew this cause I want to brew it and fuck it. If people don't want to buy it. Is that fair lackey? Uh, yeah, that that's, well, that's fair, but I, I've always looked at stuff from a marketing angle too. I, I, I feel like, uh, I've always felt like this beer better sell or I won't have a job for very long. So, <laughs> right. Right. It's not, it's not in a vacuum of the business, but I've actually seen, no. I think I was at great lakes once when like sales manager was like, Hey, you got to brew more of this. My accounts are looking for this. And you're like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> like I've seen that, like the business wants X and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe well, a sales manager isn't the best representation of what's best for the company necessarily, but there's got to be some, like, when you first started, you're like, I just brew what I want to brew. Maybe that wasn't the case versus like, hey. There's that, but no. Okay. I think it's more, uh, I just disagree with, with them thinking that that's going to sell a lot. Like, I've had a lot of people, we had, we've had people tell us that, you know, IPA was a fad and, uh, and the Canuck will never sell, not in Ontario, you know, like, and it's like, no, it's, it will. So yeah, it's what you want to do and it's what you want to drink. But uh, I figure if I want to drink it and I like it, then hopefully, you know, uh, other people will too. Or if, I mean, not just me, I mean, the team, you know, like if, if we sit down and we're like, this is a good beer, there's nothing like it in Ontario. That's less, we're saying that less and less now, but uh Back in the day, it was like, no, this is going to do well. And if someone disagrees, it's like, well, you think you're wrong? We'll see what happens. So, Yeah, I got a question for you, Lackey. Um, when's the last time anyone told you that you couldn't brew a style, if ever? Uh, no, never. I've never had that said to me either. Never once. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, but maybe you guys have been in tune with what's – I think you guys have been given creative – flexibility because people recognize that you're talented and you know what people want like you recognize it but have you ever felt the pressure to brew what's trending or like hey these are really selling we should make one of these oh for sure no i mean that's that's very reasonable for sure and i mean the thing about sales reps for the most part is that you know they always have an eye to what else is selling that we don't have in our portfolio right right so they're always going to have that and that's that's good feedback to to get um but yeah, I don't know, man. It's there, there's a difference, and I mean, and, and certainly, like if Lackey's brewed like 300 different recipes, and I brewed 300 different recipes, if a sales rep come comes to me and says, "Hey, I would like you to do this," and if it's food safe, right? <laughs> then yeah, hey, we've done four of those. You want this style of beer? Yeah, we've actually been brewing that for like eight years at the brew pub. You you can pick one of your recipes, you know. And we'll uh, we'll work on that, and you can pick one of the brands, the names, and we'll go with that. So, um, yeah, that makes any sense. Totally. So, is there? You mentioned the brew pub as like maybe a distinct entity. Are there sort of distinct vibes you would say from the three locations you guys have? And is there one that you kind of consider a home, or is it you kind of like everything has its own thing, and you have your hand in it in different ways? Sorry, for me or Lackey? Well, you have three locations. We'll get to Lackey in multiple locations in a minute. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, man, some of my favorite brewing was down at the, the brew pub on the water. That was really my first chance to build a brewery, too. Um, but right now, I'm enjoying the, the main brewery uh, by miles, obviously, and the brew pubs are closed. But even when they weren't, I, I really dig the walking back there and talking to everyone, packaging, and brewing, and then distro and quality and kind of tasting the different tanks and and knowing exactly where we're where our position is. You know, um, yeah, I'm really digging the the brewery right now for sure. Nice and Lackey, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about the long rumored Great Lakes Brewery pub rumors that are out there. Uh, I'm not. Okay, we'll leave it there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think. Well, things obviously have been up in the air for for a while now uh, because of the last year. Or so, yeah. So who knows? 
So yeah, we're not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> okay, Will there enough. be dollar oysters? Uh, I don't know, but I hope there's going to be a cycling theme to uh, the brew. Uh, if there, we do have a brew pub ever. Okay. Because you're newly a, excited about cycling. Yeah, that's right. I did see that uh, somewhere on Instagram, like a rare Mike yeah. Lackey Instagram post. <laughs> You've been cycling yeah, a great deal. Cycling over that summer. Yeah. Yeah. Throw up some kilometers. Yeah, so Let's kind of you can brag. Good. This is the place to do it. Uh, about six thousand, six thousand kilometers. Amazing. Amazing. Pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Do you have beer in your water bottle on those rides? Uh, no, but very shortly after. <laughs> so, would you legitimately support a, a bicycle themed brew pub? <laughs> <laughs> Not bicycle themed, but uh, bikes on the wall. Maybe a beer or two. For, uh, <laughs> yeah runners get all the credit what about cycling yeah exactly um you guys have kind of uh pretty different vibes like similar similar lineage in your companies um i don't know i don't know the question here but like i'm i'm <laughs> like i'm a little bit like as we're entering this like yesterday i got an email from someone at amsterdam that wanted my press kit to make sure that i had the right listenership for ian to come on and today I got a text from, you know, the communications person at Great Lakes. Be like, hey, would you ever want to have Peter and Lackey on? And I was like, actually, uh, Lackey's on my show tonight. <laughs> so a little bit of different vibe. Have you guys ever like compared and contrasted notes on like the way your companies are run and like pros and cons? <laughs> that's an, that's always a conversation. Yeah. 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 yeah a lot yeah. of similarities, but a lot of differences too. So. Yeah. I think I think both companies are reflections of their owners, for sure. It's right? a very good answer, very democratic and very true. No, man, like I've I've been I don't know how many nights I've been out drinking with Peter, and lots and lots of good stories, and the same amount with Jeff, and they're just two. They're actually friends, and they're two guys who are just different backgrounds, different approaches, the way they see the business, and uh, but still, you know. In arms together with it and i think i think it's pretty cool that not just lackey and i are, are super close but the uh the owners of both of our companies are pretty close as well i mean they've got a lot of skin in the game together and they came up together mm -hmm. it makes sense yeah um you guys have been around quite a while too i mean your owners have been there a little longer but you guys have seen the ontario beer scene basically grow up around you or with you or you know thanks to you uh what have you found the most surprising like what if you went back 10 years and said if i could tell myself this would be trendy or this is happening in 2020 i would have not believed it uh i'd be i, I don't know it's it's kind of not hard to believe but maybe a little hard to believe how many breweries there are you know just how fast it moved to from from my first 20 years working at a brewery and then to the last 10 or five it's just been been lightning speed i mean it was a long time coming for sure so as soon as the dam burst uh it really burst i would say uh, that's kind of surprising but maybe it was more surprising is how long it took to to kind of get get legs um that the haze trend in beer i would say because just because we spent i spent most of the, again the first 20 25 years of brewing try to make beer clear you know and and it's uh, made things a lot easier to be honest with you with because you, you don't have to worry i mean with a pale ale or a or a or a pilsner if it has a bit of haze you don't want too much haze in a pilsner but if it has a bit just because of how extreme it's got that that seems like a crystal clear filtered beer now so it's kind of i'm i'm surprised about that how you can kind of get away with get away with a lot of uh, a lot of stuff so is that so I, I would say that like great lakes is actually i've seen some like stupid social media stuff like all oh, great lakes brews hazy beer now which isn't true you do do a lot though w would you say it's just because you're like fuck it people don't mind haze and it's easier to make hazy beer or is it like you like haze beer like what has been the motivation there well it sells quick and it turns the tanks over and and i, I like it like we like it at the brewery and have fun. We just we play with different hops and, uh, you know, make slight changes, but it turns over quick. It's in and out of the retail fridge quick. 
And I like that as a brewer. I like having my beer or our beer uh, drank fresh, you know, and if it beer sits around for a bit, it's kind of like, oh, so if, if it turns around and it's gone in five days or a week and then the next one comes, it makes the accountants happy, makes the owner happy. And it makes, it's, I've, I've always paid attention to that, that kind of like, okay, this is what people are liking. Let's, let's go with this. Yeah. I almost so, feel like we're going to trend back the other way now. Cause now I've had like a really nice, clear IPA. I'm like, fuck yeah, look at that. You can see right through the glass. Like, <laughs> like whatever you don't have is what you want. Like remember when everything, nothing, everyone's bottles and they're like, Oh fuck tall boys. It's gotta be cans and it's gotta be short cans. And now we have them like, remember bottles? Like, Hmm. <laughs> like, maybe yeah. it's just the fact of like, we don't have it. So we want it. It's fashion. I guess so. Ian, same question for you, man. What what have you found surprising? You're a yeah, man. Um, honestly, it flavors. You know, I think I think one of the things I really dug about beer uh, when I first really started drinking it was kind of the absence of flavors. Like, you know, when I say flavors, I mean like some of the the smoothie sours that are you can buy right now, or uh, multiple fruits and lactose, and um, I'm just I'm not against it necessarily, but I am really surprised at how it's kind of taken over. Um, Cody, uh, Cody's got a good kind of saying that he throws out every now and then about the, how it's all about like the Instagram, you know, it's gotta have that haze, gotta have that, those bright colors. And I've heard other people call it the um, beers for children, you know, like, those types of flavors that are so easy for people to jump on. And I'm just, I'm not against it. You know, like I've certainly made a lot of fruit beers over the years. And, you know, I remember working with Thomas from Volo years ago at trying to make like a whiskey sour beer, you know, at least 10 or 11 years ago. And I, I'm just surprised at how it's so focused on that now, you know, say nothing of pastry stouts and, I don't know, man, like Lackey's actually used this when he's tried some of our pilsners before and he's, it's always like a really nice thing to hear is, oh no, it's got that beer hit, like that beer taste, you know? And I think there's a whole group of people who have gotten into craft beer. A whole group of them have never really gotten to know that beer flavor or that not, you know, super hazy, super fruit focused, super pastry stout they've never known beer aside from that let alone tried you know Orval or uh, Schneiderweiss or any of those old school beers that kind of got you down that road of this is what beer tastes like and yeah I'm, I'm surprised by that man that that's really come about in the past I don't know, five years three to five years yeah no and I've heard both arguments about that too I've heard that they're like they're making craft beer accessible because they are bringing in those people that maybe wouldn't try it. So maybe that's a good thing, but I totally get what you're saying. Um, so what are we maybe missing? I mean, the, the beer scene's pretty good now in Ontario. Like you said, it's blown up, but I wouldn't say it's perfect. So like, what do you think Toronto or even Ontario still missing? Uh, Great Lakes Brew Pub. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Like he's got the great poker face happening here. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> no, but really, what 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 does this? I mean, what do you think, Mike? What was Ontario missing? Uh, I, I don't know. It's too uh, good beer trip, maybe. Maybe it has a good beer trip. I don't know. It's too spread out. I think I feel yeah. Like we a, I feel I like we need a Michigan trip, but mm-hmm. I don't yeah, there's an argument we're not capitalizing on beer tours. Never thought about that before. Come on, you've never thought about what the beer scene needs in Ontario. You've been working here for. Uh, well, I don't know now. It's got all. It's got a lot. <laughs> we're good. We got it yeah. all. <laughs> you know what it needs, man? It needs more turnover at the LCBO, right? Like. The, you walk into LCBO, you check cans, and they're three, four months old. And yeah, the but they're on sale. <laughs> I know, but they're, they're down the street. Like you need more, you need less in uh, Ontario. You don't need more right now. Yeah, 
that is something we've been saying for a while, right? There's just too much and it's not sustainable. And honestly, I'm waiting for the grim reaper that is COVID to maybe finally take care of the purge that we've all seen. Like as dark as that is, maybe this is what it's going to take. Because there is a lot. You go to the LCBO and if you don't know what you're doing, it's like it's overwhelming almost. There's like every there's like 200 breweries that each have one can on the shelves. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Sorry to jump in, Mike. I don't know if it's uh, if it's too much beer or thinking about it now. It's maybe the the seltzers have certainly taken up a lot of beer drinkers. Um, wine and spirits have certainly been cutting into beer on a higher level for for a while now. But but yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough system to sell beer and rotate beer, and you know, which is why I buy most of my beer that isn't like imports from from the breweries, or if I'm you know. I'm very fortunate enough to get beer dropped off at the brewery quite a lot. So get to try beer that way. It's interesting uh, on that, on the turnover piece. If I go into the LCBO, I'll, it'll be a short term purchase, you know, maybe for a weekend or something. And I might grab two or three of four or five different kinds of beers. And meanwhile, if I'm out touring around for work or something, I might hit four breweries and, and come home with 150 beers and, and then have to bring them into the house one day at a time, one at a time, so my wife can't see how many I purchase. Great. So what are you guys, like, what are you guys into right now? Forget what you're buying. Like, what are you just like, what, I mean, we've mentioned Tweety. He comes up a lot. But like, what are the beers you're really into right now? <laughs> come on, Mike, come on. Uh, we're trying to make our, our loggers better talking to pilsners pilsners and lagers german styles we've had a couple trips to germany in the past couple years not the past year obviously but uh year before is way i mean i don't remember it because it's been so long since i picked one up but i bought a couple the other day and they're fucking awesome i texted you i was like dude this beer is great like i I don't know if it's like you haven't been openly promoting that it's been tweaked but it's a great fucking lager yeah, yeah, we've been tweaking uh, stuff and, uh, you know, we've put more investment into making, uh, you know, more tanks. You, it, it, there's investment needed for uh, loggers and you kind of need more tanks, more storage space. Uh, we do spoonding now. We have spoonding valves for natural carbonation, which I think helps a lot. Um, we've made things easier to do step mashes. Tell me about spoonding. What is that? Uh, just simply... Simply, uh, when you're when you're fermenting, you're making it's creating alcohol, heat, and CO two. And towards the end of the fermentation, you cap it. You, you stop letting the CO two escape, and the CO two just uh, stays in the beer and carbonates it. So it's kind of the traditional way of uh, of carbonating. For but it's it's maybe a little. I don't know why we stopped actually. Do you know why they stopped just wounding? and artificially carbonating you? Yeah, I think it was just time. You know, if you don't have a number of tanks to blend off, like when you're doing it on an industrial scale, it can it can get the CO, it can fuck with the CO2 levels. It won't be as exact. Right. I also think like the filtration, as they wanted it brighter and brighter and more shelf stable, putting it through like a micron filter, I think you do have like some breakout of the natural carbonation. That makes sense. Yeah, the, probably the filtering was a huge part of it couldn't really do it carbonated so they wanted it flat and then they'd carbonate after that that uh that makes some sense but it really does lend to uh, a lot more head retention uh which is something you know the big brewers either didn't care about or it just got lost in all those years of kind of not having head retention people people uh, forgot about like the rocky head and the uh but you can certainly have it in lagers just as much as like a dry hopped ipa that was one of the things about starka was like the fucking head retention was amazing the first couple ones of those that i poured i think i sent you a picture i'm like this is a beast it was amazing it makes such a big difference yeah that that's from the the spending for sure um i'm looking at erica right now who's kind of laughing at me because steam whistles been spending i think for (laughs) their entire (laughs) but the rest of us have kind of figured it out recently um but no it makes a big difference man for sure for sure it does so that was my question. What are you really into? And Mike just started talking about his own beers. So we know what he's into. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, man, I, I'm really into uh, Cezanne's right now. Uh, Fantome Cezanne kind of like spun me a few months ago. I've had Fantome a few times, but uh, this latest batch is crazy. The body, the weight to it, the texture. Um, I saw Mike uh, social distance recently and we shared a bottle. Like it's truly like blown me away. Um, I went and bought as many as I could from Volo and then uh, Richard from Gleamer Imports took pity on me and sold me a, a 12. Um, and I had a tasting session with the brewers, uh, both shifts, because I was like, this is so interesting. This is unique in beer, this, this body and weight. And, you know, we've been making saisons for a long, long time and good ones, I think. But we're taking a hard run at saisons over the next month and a half. I think like there's some really interesting things you can do um, with biotransformation in terms of uh, building up the body, the fruitiness, the initial weight, holding your yeast at different temperatures, step downs. There's so many interesting aspects to it that this beer kind of opened up for me. Um, so I've been drinking a lot of that. And now that Orval is back in the house, the fridge, I will certainly be drinking that. That's one of my favorite beers. Nice. I remember a reserve saison you did. It was like a blend of barrel aged saisons. That beer was mind blowing. Thanks, man. We're uh, we're making that one again. Nice. Uh, and just, I apologize for going down this road like quickly, but uh, it's our 35th anniversary next year, so we're doing uh, like a greatest hits of the adventure brews. Cool. So like Fram reserve saison, L Jag, and a bunch of other ones coming out so that's going to be super exciting nice um one beer that i'll say that wasn't one of our beers uh i thought you were talking about brewing by the way <laughs> uh but I, I don't have any more left but uh amsterdam's alt beer uh they've made it the last two years i think i, I think with the current recipe only the last two years uh, the sticky alt uh i love that beer it's, it's one of my favorites. I actually, when I went to Dusseldorf for the first time two years ago, when we came back, they were just releasing it, and I just had all the, uh, all four of the traditional uh, alt beers, and the Amsterdam one stood out as one of the best. So I drank a lot of it two years ago, and then last or this year, I had, uh, I had three and a half cases or something like that. That was that was all I was drinking is the alt beer. So. <laughs> So I'm, I put in a good word now for with, with Ian too. So hopefully I can get some uh, next year as well. Whatever you need, brother. Thank you. I suppose I could just go and buy it at the retail store too. But, uh, Money's no good there, man. Oh, that's what I like to hear. If you guys want to throw a case our way, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, it's really good. Well, it's good to hear that you guys are like, it, I, there's no question here, but like, I'm like, what's inspiring you to brew? And you're like, saisons, all beers. Like, that's great. Like, you're not like, I want to do, you know, viscous, not to pick on viscous blue, fucking whatever those gimmicky beers are, because sure, they have their place. But like, it's nice. You're not like, I want to make a thick beer with like crazy fruit. Like, at least you're like, yeah. Like, to see that you're still inspired by saisons after all this time, it's pretty cool. I think it, okay, I, I, think I, have, a I have a question for Ian. Um, Probably at some point, maybe like a few years ago, probably neither of us could envision doing like a really hazy IPA maybe. Yeah. Uh, now, do you envision yourself ever doing a, a fruit, like a slushy beer or whatever? Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I really like, I can't. I can't. He's looking at Erica. He's like, I can't. <laughs> But no, say it kept no. trending that way. I mean, I can't imagine it would, but uh, but say it does. Yeah, it could, but like that's that's one of the cool things about like working for a larger brewery. In addition to like getting a lot of people to try your beer, um, we would have to be able to make a beer that could you know travel across the province and like sit in a warm warehouse. And I don't know how many of those like fruit smoothie beers could stand up to that really or like pass our QC tests or your QC tests, right? Like if we're testing for diastaticus and we're adding a shit ton of fruit to it, chances are there's going to be diastaticus in it, you know? So we wouldn't let it, I, I guess I could make an argument as to why we wouldn't make that at the brewery and why here are 10 different beer styles that could sell more anyway and are, we can be proud of. And 
that type of thing. And our sales reps will probably hear this and want smoothie, slushy <laughs> beers. <laughs> Thank you, Lackey. Really appreciate that, bro. No problem. I look forward to Ezra Chunky. <laughs> but do yeah. you do you ever get like maybe this is a dumb question, but like as you're saying those unique challenges that would present themselves with the beer, you're like, fuck, I kind of want to tackle that to see if I could get around that. Like to make a fruit smoothie beer, fuck no. <laughs> okay, on the record, fuck no. <laughs> hard no. Hard, <laughs> a hard no. Can I just say I love that you guys ask each other questions? It's so makes my job easier. Chris, you're you're doing great too there, by the way. <laughs> you're on mute right now. Like, for God's sake. <laughs> my kids were walking around. I'm a great listener was what I was saying. I made, made my point with the mute. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, was, I guess I, I was just, what's, what's next would be my next question. <laughs> Lackey's not allowed to talk about anything that's next for Great Lakes Brewery. Troy Birch will answer what's next for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please refer your questions to yes, Troy. Yes, <laughs> all questions to Troy Birch. I Great. think there might be an episode coming up with Peter, so we'll save that for Peter. Um, Ian, what's next for Amsterdam? Or just you? Like what's what 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 do you got going on? Yeah, uh I don't I don't want to kind of end on a down note, right? But uh yeah, just bringing the brewery back, man. Um like COVID's been brutal on everybody. And, you know, we kind of pivoted to brew pubs a few years ago, and I still think that was the right move. But you know, having half your business being brew pubs and they've been closed and you know, people who were like part of the family for many years out of work. That's what's next for me, man. Focusing on that. So that, was it, was that a fair cut that half the business was brew pub and half was like contained? Probably close, yeah. close to that. And particularly if you take the amount of business that we had in draft too, right? Um, we, we did well with package, um, but we were really, you know, we have two successful brew pubs. So that was a hit and there's a lot of people working there. Right. So, um, that's kind of the focus for this year, man, rebounding and uh, celebrating the 35th anniversary. And hopefully all of us having beers on the patio some point this year, once we're kind of on the other side of this thing safely. Right. What's the best Amsterdam location to drink at? Dude, patio, man, down at the waterfront as the, uh, as the sun's kind of going down, you know, warm breeze coming off, nice pints with friends. Like it is for a couple months a year. I don't think there's a better spot to drink at in the city. Like it's nice. just it is perfect. Um, lots of lineups, but uh, but no, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful part of the the city is that waterfront, man. And I remember like Jason and, and Rob from Bar Hop, they put on this uh, this like indie boat cruise thing. Oh yeah, the indie boat hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, we kind of circled out in the lake and then we came back as the sun was going down. And I've still got a picture of that crazy sunset and that waterfront looking back at the city. And you know, it's so easy to forget how beautiful it is down on the water. It's really amazing. I was on that boat trip. That was fun. We were telling everyone to go to the to Amsterdam for uh, pictures of Bone Shaker after the, the yeah. boat yeah. Sending a whole bunch of drunk people after a festival. <laughs> Pictures and bone shaker. Sounds like man, that totally sounds like you. Yeah. That was me. You weren't happy about it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Actually, the, the tap room at the brewery is not too bad. It's kind of come around and has its own character. So it's I can I miss it. I I didn't really think I would or didn't for the first six months, but I don't know. Recently it's kind of like uh and I miss uh, that patio and right by the Gardner Expressway there, you know, uh, which is, you know, not ideal, but it's got its own charm. And I don't know, I've been at, working at that brewery for 30 years. So, so that building and kind of area has a, you know, a bit of a sweet spot for me, even with the barbecue guys around there. What do you miss more, that or Bryden's? Oh, Bryden's for sure. <laughs> I, was, I was actually at the bike shop beside Bryden's today. I'm thinking, Jesus. 
You trying that back open. kitchen door? This has got to open in the next couple of months, man. Trying the kitchen door, like maybe someone's in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a nightmare. It was a nightmare. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. And hopefully we're having uh, pints on the other side of this sometime soon. For sure. That'd be good. Okay. Nice you guys. Nice right on. Hang good in night. there, boys. I'm sorry, Troy. Get another job.